Hey, Coconut. So yeah, I know many of you guys want to learn about crypto and you keep asking on the Telegram group, keep asking on Instagram and I have officially caved in, right? So we're going to dedicate a whole month on to cryptocurrency and digital finance. But because I am limited in my understanding of crypto, I'm bringing a lot of good friends and guests on to talk about cryptocurrency. In today's episode, we're going to run through the broad cryptocurrency space of the different different coins, what are different types, what are they doing, where is innovation happening, where is money going into, and also answer or attempt to answer the one question of will Bitcoin go to zero or is it here to stay? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to another Chill with TFC session. In this series, we hope to bring on interesting, relevant people to help us learn better from various perspectives. Life is not always about learning from people that you already agree with. Perspectives shape around the thinker. So in our pursuit of the life we love or managing our finances, well, our guest for today is one of the leaders in the DeFi crypto space, Decentralized Finance. And I'll let him share with you. Yeah, I'm not going to butcher it. But I got him on to paint a broad view of the crypto market. What is actually going on? What is blockchain? Where does Bitcoin stand in this whole equation and where he sees the future? Essentially, I try to squeeze everything out of him. He was an oil trader and crypto investor running his own fund today and he is Arthur Chong from Defiance Capital. You know, for, for the people that don't understand crypto, right? Yep. Uh, can you just kind of help us understand a little bit of like, hey, why, why crypto is always discussed with blockchain? Right and and how much do I need to know? If let's say if let's say somehow I'm interested in crypto, clearly I'm not in that camp yet. So if I want to explore the the space of crypto, how much do I need to know about blockchain? Yeah, I would say that you definitely do not need to be a very technical person to understand crypto and blockchain. Like I am an economic major, I don't have a computer science background, and yet I I would consider myself a fairly knowledgeable on uh, on crypto and blockchain. So I would say that uh, blockchain is a technology that underpin uh, cryptocurrency. So blockchain is just very simple. It's an in- immutable ledger. It's like you can, the easier ways to think of it is like a like Google Sheet that is maintained by everyone. Yeah, if you choose to participate in the, the, the network. And once the transaction is uh, confirmed, it's very difficult to reverse the transaction record. So in a sense that it serves as an immutable ledger. Yeah, so this is what blockchain is about. And the group property of this uh, allow uh, like cryptocurrency to build on top of like a decentralized blockchain technology. So not all blockchain need to have a crypto. So that there's actually some a variant called like the permission blockchain, like which is uh, the a lot of the big uh, corporate are experimenting with it. Like especially the IBM has been very popular in uh, pushing like the enterprise blockchain adoption, those actually do not have any cryptocurrency. They're just like a, a little bit like a database, but it's not maintained by one single uh, server, but instead maintained by a lot of different nodes. So this is a blockchain, but most of the permissionless blockchain, which means that it's like a public where everyone can join, uh, have a native crypto attached to the blockchain to serve 
also as a security uh, guarantee as a blockchain because the, you need to incentivize people to maintain the network. So the cryptocurrency is paid out uh, as an incentive to maintain the, the network as well. So like when you mine Bitcoin, you're getting paid Bitcoin, but you're also maintaining the security of Bitcoin at the same time. Okay. So what I'm getting is essentially blockchain is a technology. Yep. Uh, it's a crowdsourced technology in some yep. ways, right? Yep. Because most of the data centers and servers are centralized, yes. right? But then, um, so the computing power for most, you know, technology or most whatever out there, they are all centralized in one space, okay? So for all you guys that don't know compute and all those, we're trying to help you understand, okay? So then blockchain uh, essentially is a, is a shared computing where you have different, different computers running or different kind of uh, servers running, you know, that, keep up with this, the workload of uh, whatever blockchain that is trying to do, right? So, and in that sense, because they keep up with that work that the blockchain intends to do, and in the case of Bitcoin, it's mostly just transactional, right? They're tracking the, the transaction ledger in that sense, right? So transaction work, if the computer participates in that, then it gets the incentive of, you know, Bitcoin in that sense, right? Yep. So, so that's kind of how they maintain the whole thing going. So yes. you welcome people to participate in this process of keeping the whole thing working. And through that process, you incentivize them the currency, which is Bitcoin, if yes. you are doing Correct. a Bitcoin blockchain. Correct. Yep. Okay. Yep. So then that was like, like years back already, yep. right? That one's like Gutong already, you know? Yep. <laughs> like Bitcoin is the ancient guy in, yep, yep. In, uh, in like crypto, much like how Facebook is traditional marketing now, right? Yep. Like nowadays, I talk to people about like, hey, we need to do some traditional marketing. Uh. Facebook, Google, uh, it's like, it's already yep. traditional. And for you in this space, you are very big on, you know, from what I understand, you're very big on like the whole idea of decentralized finance, right? So I'm very curious what do you think? Do you think decentralized finance, first you help us explain, okay? And then do you think decentralized finance will take over the traditional financial system today? I would say no. Uh, I think they will coexist uh, in the future because I think that currently the financial system, I would say depending on which country you are staying, are probably not serving uh, some of the population in the world. And I think that what uh, decentralized finance can do is to complement and in some case, kind of like a, provide a much better solution than what the existing financial system can offer. So I think that that's why both of them will coexist. I don't think that despite like how good the product is, like the entire existing traditional finance will just get replaced. But what they can happen is like coexist. So I mean, for a more layman explanation, I would say that uh, decentralized finance, uh, what we call DeFi in the industry, is you can think of it as like a fintech 2.0. So fintech has uh, grown significantly over the last 10 years. So I think the recently the most popular event is probably the N Group, like the Chinese uh, Alipay. So they were trying to- they just pulled out. Yeah. Right? So they were yeah. trying to do an IPO, but the, for some reason, the, the Chinese regulator asked them to stop doing that. Mm -hmm. So, but you need to know that last year, they have processed a $16 trillion US dollar worth of transaction, more than PayPal. Um, so they are like definitely a giant right now. And at the IPO valuation, they're actually worth more than any bank in the world, including JP Morgan. But I mean, that doesn't mean that the Ch China traditional financial system is getting replaced. It's not. 
Yeah, so they actually coexist. I think it's the same for DeFi. So DeFi will provide, a, in some area, provide a better solution, but it's not going to replace that traditional finance. It's just going to coexist. Yeah, so it's just like, depending on which product is the best, you go for that product. Okay, yeah. so can you help me understand, help us understand what is what is decentralized finance? Yeah, Simple sure. term, huh? Sure. <laughs> so uh, decentralized finance is very straightforward. It basically refers to a financial application that is built on a open source uh, technology, which is most of the case is decentralized uh, is permissionless blockchain which uh, most of the time is also Ethereum because Ethereum right now is the most popular smart contract platform for uh, various uh, applications okay, so how does that translate to, to layman like okay let me give you a scenario okay so let's say I want to transfer money right? yep. essentially that's what decentralized finance is trying to do right Right, so if I want to transfer money, if I transfer through, uh, let's say, the Ethereum blockchain, yep. right, compared to transferring through the traditional financial system, yep. how does that look like can you, from, a, from a decentralized finance view? Sure. So I would say one of the biggest characteristics is the permissionless nature. So let's say you want to send, uh, okay, let's say 100,000 US dollar to someone that's in Africa. If you go through the traditional banking process, you are going to take days, probably one week, and we incur a lot of cost in doing so because the current bank work on SWIFT and work on like a correspondent banking system. But uh, through like and DeFi... And how, and how much would that cost if I go through a traditional... I think it depends. So, But there's a fixed cost that uh, I think 20 to $30 wire cost mm. uh, on both sides. And also there might be some FX cost if you convert. If you don't convert, yeah, it's dollar. So I would say at least like a 40 to $50 of fixed cost. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Okay. And then... For DeFi, there's basically no transaction cost as long as the receiving party have a crypto wallet. Mm. Yeah, you just need to pay the network transaction fee, which is most of the time is below $1 right now. Okay. So yeah, you, ju- you can just send. And as long as he, he or she has an internet connection, she can definitely receive it within like 10 minutes. Yeah, usually less. Yeah. Okay, so it's basically built on anonymity because yep. you don't need to go through the traditional check system, right? Yes, because yes. nowadays, bigger volumes, they will ask you to check. Like all the KYCs and yes. know your customer, right? Yeah. What you're trying to do, is it terrorist money, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right? yeah, they're, yeah. Trying to, they're trying to do all those things, yep. right? So there is no need for that. Yep. Right? And there is a essentially a faster system. Yep. And it's cheaper. That's what you're trying to tell yeah. me, right? Yeah. And actually, even for KYC, uh, the, even if you go to KYC, you can still use this to settle. Like you can send it to the exchange account of the receiving party. So he has he or she has done the KYC on the exchange already. You can still send to his or her exchange address and it's still faster and cheaper than going through the tra- traditional banking system. Mm. Yeah, mm. but obviously the uh, the open nature is also one of the plus part out of it. But even if you go using the KYC channel, it's still the same speed and same cost. Yeah, so then if it sounds so good, right, then why isn't it going to take over the... I because I think finance is like a multitude, right? It's not just about payment and transfer. There's a lot of other things in finance that I think that uh yeah, it's just not gonna be uh, replaced so easily. Like insurance, asset management, the capital market, lending and borrowing, all these are part of finance. So what I'm illustrated to you is just like a payment and transfer part of finance. So that is just one big part, but it's just one part of finance, yeah. Okay, so what I'm getting from you is that uh, because generally, right? Okay, so far I'm very hard to find bears for crypto, la, right? Most of the bears are not in crypto. That's why they are bears, right? But then most of the bull case, you know, so far is cryptocurrency will take over the world. <laughs> I see raw eyes here, <laughs> right? So so that's that's the bull case, right? And I think that's crazy. But from what you're saying, that doesn't sound as crazy, right? Can you can you just kind of help us paint the picture why why that 
way of looking at it, it's not accurate. I think first of all, when people are usually referring crypto to take over the world, usually those are people who are saying are usually referring to Bitcoin. Mm. And because Bitcoin right now is like 60, 70% of the market in terms of the market capitalization, in terms of value. Um, I, I think that- You mean like the crypto market? Right? Yeah, crypto okay, market. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So, and I think that doesn't make sense because uh, Bitcoin existed for 10 years. There were a lot of people, uh, even companies trying to use Bitcoin for payment and it never take off. I think the, the reason is very clear. People do not want to transact in a volatile currency. People want to transact in a stable currency. In And in most cases, it will be the fiat currency, be it US dollar or Sing dollar. So um, I think that will not happen simply because it's, yeah, it's too volatile to be used on a day-to-day -day basis. But it can be a good uh, medium to long-term store of value because like Bitcoin specifically have a very, have some characteristic that make it uh, suitable to be a store of value. It has a fixed supply, 21 million Bitcoin forever. And it also like is easy to carry. And it's also... Uh, like it's very similar to gold, yeah. Fixed supply and then also like a scarce, all this thing. So it just make it like a suitable as a medium to long term store of value. So I, I would say that actually Bitcoin specifically, not referring to other crypto, is actually trying to compete with gold as an asset, but it's not really trying to compete with like a, like a day to day currency. Yeah. 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 And and on that note of like you know Bitcoin potentially being a store of value, right? And when you compare it with gold. Right, which is what a lot of people are doing, digital gold, right? Yep. The whole idea. Yep. When you compare it with gold, then there's this idea of like a broadly accepted asset class, right? Which which hinges on the idea of having a lot of people buy into it. You know, it's a it's a network effect kind of thing. If everybody buys into this idea, then there is a potential, right, of it becoming some sort of value, right? So because gold is already dominant in terms of the acceptance that it is an asset class. So everybody buys into it. So there's a network effect in gold. Yep. Right. And then now you're trying to tell me that, or not just you, like a lot of people are trying to tell tell us that Bitcoin can have that kind of network effect. Right. So how is that going to happen? I think that it's just going to happen where the younger generation are usually much more familiar with like a digital goods or digital asset. Like if you grew up playing World of Warcraft, MapleStory, all this online game, you always recognize that this digital good have value. And there were a lot of people who are just like farming those items to mm, make a living. Shout out, shout out. Mesos, mesos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think that uh, like the internet have come into the scene uh, for, for, for 30 plus years. And it's just very natural for the internet to have its native currency and Bitcoin is just very likely to be the one that is, doesn't have to be physical, but uh, as more and more people believe in it, and I would say that actually you look, you look at the adoption, more and more people did start to believe that Bitcoin has value. Right? And mm. this is a fact. I mean, it's not something you can argue against. So, and the network effect of Bitcoin is definitely increasing because like, due in this uh, increasingly digital world, people just believe like a, a pure digital currency has value. And yeah, so I think that's just how it's going to be. Yeah, so whatever you just said, right, essentially double downs on the idea of the network effect, right? Essentially, yep. there must be a lot of people yes. that subscribe to this. Then yes. there will be a net value for, for this thing. It's like how everybody play MapleStory, then Mesos yes. became a thing, right? People yes. sell Mesos. Yes, correct. Right? So you must have a lot of people to participate in, in the Bitcoin story and the yes. Bitcoin uh, network. Correct. Right, and in that case, then that hinges on the fundamental risk, which is what the people don't join. Right, so what do you think is some of these like risk of you know this thing not ultimately fruiting you know into into what people are saying that Bitcoin can be a goal? 
Yeah, I would say the major risk is like a a very strict government clampdown. I think that is a uh, possible, although unlikely. I would say, uh, if let's say government say that the it's illegal to own or transact Bitcoin, uh, or crypto in the future, I think that will definitely uh kill the network effect because most people still do not want to do illegal stuff. But um, I would say that uh, this also is very similar to like how like a peer to peer torrenting technology works. Like, uh, I believe in Singapore, it's actually illegal to torrent download a lot of the copyright material. Uh, I would say the same in a lot of country, but uh, torrenting technology is still very popular and people are still using it for various uh, file sharing. So, yeah, I mean the risk is definitely a, a very strict government clampdown. But I would say that at this point of time, it's actually very hard to like have a full shutdown. Uh, of uh, of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency right now, just simply because that uh you like you 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 must have a valid reason. I mean you can implement KYC AML, but it's harder to find a valid reason to shut it down because it's just a technology. Yeah. Mm, but I think one country has a pretty valid reason that is China, right? So China yeah. has released their own like digital RMB, you know, and they're building everything on the blockchain, right? So they are they are very ahead in this whole like digital yep. currency space. Yep. Right. And honestly, for a lot of Chinese, you know, they have a lot of like underground money changes. Yep. Yep. Also, it's a way to bring money out of the country and all those are deemed as illegal. Yep. Right. So then, at this point in time, Bitcoin is also not, not legal in China. Right. But, uh, no, it's actually legal to own mm. Bitcoin. It's mm. recognized as a property okay. in China, but yeah. it's not, uh, the illegal part is basically, bring uh, it out running an exchange in China, okay. running an OTC business in China, okay. yeah, that is okay. not allowed. Yeah. Okay, so that's not allowed. Okay, correct me. Okay, so Bitcoin is allowed in China, it's just not allowed to do the transaction part, you know, as, as an OTC provider. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so over the counter, right? Yeah. So essentially, that just means like, you need money, I transfer my Bitcoin to you. If someone else needs money and then you come through me as a central medium, then I draw a certain percentage yes, right, yes. over the counter transaction. That's not allowed in China, yes. Right, so that's not allowed in China, okay. But because China is doing its own digital yuan, what's stopping China from, you know, just wiping out the Bitcoin market by just saying that, hey, you're going to bring your money back into the digital yuan, right? And, you know, we're, we're just going to for, forego, you know, this idea of Bitcoin, you know, much like how... India removed the fiat currency of a thousand and five hundred, yep. and Indonesia, you know, getting the people to bring money back to Indonesia so that they don't get fined. Yeah. Right. So what is stopping China from doing that? You know, is that is that a is that a serious risk in your view? I wouldn't consider it a very serious risk because I think that uh, Bitcoin right now actually from people who are in the industry. If people want to bring their money out of China using crypto, they usually don't use Bitcoin nowadays. They actually usually use the stable coin. And the most popular one being a USDT, Tether. Yeah. So because because Bitcoin is too volatile. So Bitcoin is still mostly used as a store of value right now. So I think that yes, I mean this risk might exist, but I think if it did happen, uh I think that a lot of Chinese are still gonna own Bitcoin, they're just not gonna declare it because you can always keep your own Bitcoin. You just don't use mm. it on any mm. exchanges. Mm. And Right now, um, you can actually also acquire it from a decentralized exchange as well. Just that you do not use any like a proper kind of centralized exchange to acquire your Bitcoin. Yeah. Mm. That, that's just what will happen. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. fundamentally, there is still the risk of the network effect not fruiting yep. you know, because of all these government interventions and blah, blah, yes. blah. But what you are betting on is that that is highly unlikely. Uh, or the impact is not But I would say that even if, let's say China do it, uh, is definitely not gonna kill Bitcoin already because Bitcoin is sufficiently uh, diversified in terms of geographic. So, China is an important country for crypto ecosystem. 
But if let's say they have a complete ban, I think it's, it's a, it hurt Bitcoin, but it will not really uh, kill Bitcoin that will effect here. Okay, so that is for Bitcoin. Yeah. So there are three kinds, generally broadly, broadly three kinds. So one is Bitcoin, which is quote unquote the digital gold. Yeah. One is the uh, Ether network, right, which which does a lot of the transactional stuff, which all your stable coins are built on. Yep. Correct. Right, and then there's the asset class, which yep. is the third class of, you know, I don't know what unique coins are here, but it's just fundamentally a, a kind of cash flow generation yes. model, right? So there Correct. are this this three, right? Yep. So Bitcoin, uh, Ether Network for transaction. So there's the function there. And then the last one is asset class. So how yep. do you then make money in this space? Because if there's so many things going on already, yep. how do you make money? Uh, I focus, like I mentioned before, is uh, on a sector called decentralized finance. And I would say that when it comes to investing in this space, uh, my philosophy, it will be very akin to uh, venture investing, but with uh, public market liquidity. Because I would say that when you're investing in a lot of these like a uh, newer uh, like a uh, application or protocol, uh, a lot of them are actually on a, like a venture stage, like a startup lah, in terms of like uh, the, the life cycle of their organization. Um, but I think the unique thing is most of these uh, most of these protocol or applications, they do have a native uh, crypto attached to it. Like it is used both as an incentivization mechanism. But, and also to build a community. So what happens is usually you 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 be able to acquire liquidity for your uh crypto token like a, with a much shorter time frame than you do traditional venture investing. Like if you, if you invest in startup, usually you need to wait for like a five to ten years before you can exit. Typically, like even be it for M and A or IPO, but in crypto usually you can exit. Like you have some liquidity for investment like within two years. Yeah. So that's how uh, I do crypto investing right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And why I focus on decentralized finance because there has been a lot of use cases uh, that's experimenting with crypto over the last three to five years. And mm. I would say that since 2017, there was a year that everyone was trying to put anything on blockchain. Yeah, all sorts shit. Yeah. Airbnb on blockchain, mm -hmm. Uber on blockchain, whatever. But actually, I would say um, coming from someone who have actually went through this whole cycle. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. most of it, I would say almost all of it didn't work out because ultimately blockchain as a technology, it doesn't solve all the issue. It's one uh, technology that's come with its trade-off. So it, it gives you like a more of like an open and permissionless nature, but it also brings it very expensive to, to use blockchain technology and also very slow, especially when you compare them to like the centralized counterpart like Amazon Web Services. Mm. So it's not suitable for most of the other use cases, I would say except for finance because for finance, a lot of the time, you actually don't really compete on the speed and the like the cost of the services. You actually compete on the trust layer. Like why we use a lot of the financial institution because it's also uh, if there's a lot of trust. We trust DBS, we trust all this bank, and we trust all these financial institution. And where does the trust come from? One part of it is obviously the regulation, but also one part of it is they have the history. They have like proven themselves. Mm. But I think for like for blockchain, what this can bring is actually you actually don't really need to trust the like the team or whatever because. 
uh, once they deploy on the blockchains, it's immutable. So you can actually, the smart contract will just run the, the program as per specified. So that even the team themselves cannot really change anything that after they have like uh, deployed to the network. Yeah. So yeah. Th this whole bring a new level of transparency into the financial activities that they are providing. So I think that this is something that uh, is it's a bit like a zero to one innovation that I think is cost and the speed trade-off are actually worth it. Yeah. yeah. For most other use cases, it actually doesn't worth it because you kind of don't really need that much of like a censorship resistance or like a auditability. But for finance, it actually makes sense. Yeah. Mm, okay. So I, I get what you're saying. Essentially, the traditional way of running data, right, and the blockchain is, the fundamental difference is blockchain is quote-unquote 100% secure. Right, because everything is built on the chain. You know, it's it's not so easy to to like you know. Yep. Fuck it up, like, essentially. Yeah. And it's also more transparent. Yeah, more transparent. You can see the whole thing, yeah. right? But it is slower, more expensive to yeah. run than the centralized stuff. So there are only certain use cases, you know, for this technology. If you see it from a technology viewpoint, and how you make money is you invest in the coins of of these new DeFi ventures yes. that are coming in. Correct. Okay. So then how do you exit? Do you exit in a private market or do you exit when it goes for ICO or how does that work for you? So uh, there's a different way to exit. Um, most of these... Uh, right, because you're buying something at a young stage, right? Yeah. Right, so then... Yes. Okay, how do you even buy those kind of stuff to begin so with? So there's a few ways. So... Uh, because we are like a crypto fund, so sometimes we are able to invest in like the earliest round, like so-called like the seed round. Yeah, because the project was just like a like a MVP stage. They are trying to build their product, so they raise a fund. So we are usually investing fairly early on, and that's how we acquire the, the crypto asset. Uh, and how do we exit? Uh, it depends. Sometimes we uh we it will get listed on certain centralized exchanges such as Coinbase or like Binance. Then then we might exit. And sometimes it will just be listed on decentralized exchanges. Yeah, decentralized exchange is like like Coinbase and Binance, but just that they are not like uh, controlled by one single company. That like anyone can like, use it and provide liquidity. So we can also sell it on decentralized exchanges as well. Mm, yeah. Okay. Do you mind sharing with us some of your success case? Is it possible? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So do you want me to mention a name? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me the name, man. Okay. Cool. Uh, I would say uh, okay, some of the success cases um. Uh, one project I would like to uh, like mention is like uh, Kyber Network. So Kyber Network is actually launched by uh, the, the one of the co-founder. Uh, it's actually an NUS PhD. Yeah. So he he's he's a he's from Vietnam, but he studied NUS in NUS here for the PhD in computer science. So after he graduated, he started working on blockchain and all this thing, and he actually launched this project in twenty seventeen. So it's uh, basically a decentralized exchange. It's called Kyber Network. Um, so what they plan to do is just like a like a Coinbase equivalent or Binance equivalent, but it's just that it's de decentralized, not controlled by any single company. So uh, it raised the ICO from twenty seventeen to twenty nineteen. It actually been keep dropping because I mean eventual bear market, but actually throughout the last two throughout that three years, the the team never really give up building. They just keep improving their product, build a better product, and uh, the market has. Although the fundamental has improved uh, significantly, the market has not been paying attention. So we actually, this one, we actually invest very late. Like they launched in 2017, <laughs> the token was yeah, yeah. available in 2017, but we only 
invest in, in 2019. So this one, I have a little bit of public market component already. It's a bit like investing in stocks. Well, yeah. After that, Everybody don't want years. them like that. Then yeah. you go and buy but them. But you okay. actually, I can see that the fundamentals just keep improving, but market has not been noticing it. So I've been just buying it from the exchange directly. You just slowly build a position and invest and just, you know, uh, and, and I also, I do know the team quite well because they are also based in Singapore. Mm. Uh, so I talk to the founder, understand their vision, understand what they're trying to build. Just really have a good understanding on the team's uh, vision and what they're building. And also do my own analysis on like the valuation and the given the current traction do they have today, is it undervalued or overvalued? So I decided that it's a significantly undervalued. That's where I invested in it. So yeah, we re- kind of realized like a, around like a 10 times return in like a seven months for this investment. Yeah, because we, it just after the market start recognizing a potential and it also get listed on more and more exchanges, the valuation just increased uh, significantly over the last 12 months. Yep. Okay, that, yep. That, that's cool. Then are you concerned about institutional investors coming into the game? Right, you know, like more and more big boys are coming in. Then, you know, when, when institution comes in, right, then they have a very uh, probably more buy and hold you know, way of way of doing things, right? Because that's what institutions generally do. Yeah. More long term outlook. You know, will they kind of like, you know, skew the market in terms of like, uh, price discovery or like trying to find potential? You know, because all these big boys come in, right? Then it's very tough for you to find good stuff. You know, what what are your thoughts on that? I would say that uh, I'm not concerned at all mm. because like um. I think when the institutional investor come in, they were actually really going to focus on the top few, like mostly Bitcoin and probably some Ether. And I think actually they bring much needed uh, kind of like a rationality and a professionalism to the space because I think right now this space, one of the reasons that it's so volatile is because uh, there's a lot of people who are just purely speculator and trader. They mm. are not really looking at it in a more professional manner. So they buy when it's going up, they sell when it's going down. And this is not really how investing works, right? So I think that institutional investor will bring uh, more professionalism in the space. It's, it's really much welcome. And mm. it might actually even dampen the volatility slightly as well. Mm. Yeah, it make crypto slightly less volatile if more of them come in because they don't kind of like, I mean, they are trading firm, but I'm talking about the investing yeah. one. They, yeah, they don't really trade in and out like every day, right? So they kind yeah. of, yeah, bring much needed like a yeah, stability. Yeah. So space. do you feel like most of the people are really just trying to trade the market, like how they trade currencies? You know? uh, I would say there's a lot of speculator, probably not trading on a day-in, day-out basis, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of speculator that don't really invest in a more professional manner in this space. Yeah, mm. which is why that unfortunately, a lot of them have lost money. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, because I, I am the one, I'm the person that went through the entire cycle. And mm. although I did uh, end up doing pretty well, uh, I see a lot of my friends and acquaintance that kind of give up along the way and they mm. were not there to to reap the, the, the success uh, although the market have recovered but it's just one of the reasons is they are not approaching it in a very robust and professional manner they're really just a bit like here say this one seems good I buy or oh, seems bad and I sell <laughs> so I think this is usually mm. not a receipt for success yeah 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 sounds like sounds like a lot of people in the stock market also. yeah I would say it's actually quite similar it's just that the volatility in crypto is just like probably like Few times more mm. dense uh, than the crypto. But, yeah, I think yeah. few few more more times, uh, not just not just few times more. Yeah. Right. So in in that sense, a lot of people, because of a lack of understanding, because of you know um, the high volatility and all these like hype news up and down, right? It it doesn't give a lot of confidence in the space. Yeah. Right. And from what you are saying, is a very different way of looking at it to look at the functionality that, you know, this technology actually has a certain case in a certain sector, right? And what you spot is decentralized finance, yes. right? Which which we've talked about extensively, 
But are there other use cases for this technology of, of blockchain and crypto? I would say yes, uh, although that's uh, still a bit early. Mm. Um, I would say right now that uh, another use case is basically what they call the Web3. So what is Web3? So uh, one way to explain it is that the current uh, like internet space we're living in, it can be categorized as like a Web 2.0. So it's basically dominated by the tech giants like Google, Facebook, uh, Amazon, Netflix, uh, Apple. So what Web 3.0 want to change is to basically decentralize the power. Again, decentralization. This is a very big theme of crypto in general. That all the data, the identity... Wait, are, is it a big theme of blockchain or is it a big theme of crypto? Big theme of crypto, I would say. Okay, yeah, okay. Decentralization component. Okay, so blockchain is just a technology you yes. can use in however one, but yes. whenever the blockchain is matched with a crypto, it tends to have this identity of uh, decentralized. Yes, Okay, correct. okay, yeah. Correct. So basically that uh, too much power are concentrated in this technology company. So the Web3.0 want to decentralize this from them, be on a data layer, on a usage layer, and on the identity layer. So imagine that when you actually own your identity, so that, uh, that let's say you want to use any of the, let's say Facebook, Google, you actually have your own single identity that you own instead of the account that they have with them. And they actually are monetizing all your data like to make money. Like there's one new Netflix documentary called The Social Network Dilemma. Yeah, something. yeah I watched that. I watched yeah, that. so yeah. basically, yeah, say that how they have been like kind of like using the user to make money. So I think that this is the Web 3.0 thesis. Uh, and yeah, so this is something that I think that uh, this is one of the valid use cases that you can actually build, let's say, a, a decentralized uh, Facebook where you're, you're actually the one that own your data so that you do not have the, this kind of data privacy concern. Yeah. But this is, I think, still a, quite far away from realizing due to the maturity of a uh, blockchain technology in general. Mm, yeah. is, there, is there any other? Is it just this one? I think these two are the most popular one, Decentralized Finance and the Web 3.0. Mm. Another one, uh, I would say, uh, it's, I think it's more specific, is basically have to do with gaming. Basically, that uh, there's a thesis that uh, right now, like if you look at certain game, right, Actually, people are trading those in-game items very like, yes, like the yes. skin of CSGO yes, yes, and yes. World of Warcraft, whatever. All these a lot of online game, right? Actually, all these in-game items are very valuable. But the challenges, or say the issue is, is like the company, if they close down, all the in-game items are worthless. Mm, yeah. Mm. And the company can always make some arbitrary changes that kind of affect the, the in-game economy or whatever. So the kind of the thesis is to make it like a more player-owned kind of game. Uh, like where a lot of the important changes and whatever is actually decided by the player instead of by one single company deciding everything. Yeah, so I think that is kind of a valid use case. You can use like a crypto and blockchain to kind of distribute the control and ownership and the, the power of a certain game when the player actually kind of co-own it. It's a bit like a player cooperative kind of mm -hmm. uh, thing. Yeah. Everything is a co-op. Uh. Everything yeah. is decentralized. Uh. That's yeah, the... so I think I, I can see certain use cases uh, but... Uh, I think it's also kind of quite game specific. La. Like for some game that you probably don't need this. But I think for certain game that whether it's a very strong social aspect, mm, it mm, probably mm. makes sense to integrate some of this. Like World of Warcraft, right? Something yeah. like that. Right? The kind of MMORPG. Yeah, or some like that when there's a strong collectible component mm. into it. Like mm. people actually spend a crazy amount of money on this kind of collectible game. Like I know. The one they call gacha game. <laughs> like uh, one very popular game called Fake. FGO, Grand Order, like people spend insane amount of money. Like every year they bring in billion dollar of revenue on this one single mobile really? game. Really? Yes, you can search on it. FGO. Oh, FGO. Yeah, okay. Fake Grand Order. It's a collect uh, collectible game. People kind of like, uh, you can you can roll certain kind of like a character you want and obviously the, the, the rare one is quite hard and people can spend few hundred dollars every month on it. 
Japanese game. Japanese game. Ah. Yeah. But and all this actually people spend their hard-earned money on this character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually they do feel treasure, right? This is the yeah. And this also tie in with the theme that recently, uh, I think probably due to some popular YouTuber, the first generation Pokemon card is suddenly worth a lot again. Oh yes, the I know, Charizard I know was so yeah. for I think few thousand dollars, uh, uh, close to twenty thousand actually. That guy is crazy. He he also sells the magic cards. He also sells all the weird weird cards. And then, yeah, you know he do those kind of pack opener. What's his yeah. name? I can't remember. But exactly, oh, so yeah, it's just like a sudden resurgence, right? It's suddenly like the Charizard is worth so much right now, and I'm sure a lot of people are regretting like they throw the parent throwing yeah, yeah, away my, that Pokemon card. <laughs> it's yeah, worth yeah. twenty thousand right yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. My friend was just telling me, but yeah, that's the worst thing that I've thrown away. You know. It's like my Pokemon cards are gonna be worth so much, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is just something that I think, yeah, people feel like value. Like it's the first generation, and I I don't think these cards being used in tournament anymore. Like mm. they are probably so outdated in terms of meta. Yeah, yeah. But you know, people still cherish so it. So fundamentally, that's a very collectible, you know, way of looking at things, yep. now, right? So, I mean, all those things uh, are potential cases, but people has to have to kind of look at it on their own and yes. decide how it is, right? So. Yep. For for our listeners that are new, that are you know contemplating you know whether to to be in this space, right? What are some you know um, advice you have for them in terms of like if you want to start, how do you start, or you know how does it work for from an investment viewpoint? Yeah, I would say definitely do your own research. You actually do not need to uh, rush in to buy. I think one good way to learn is also have a small amount, like don't need to have much. Probably just a one two hundred dollar will do. Just try to use it first. And really understand what uh, you are using, and if you want to invest, what are you investing? I think the most popular way and the right way is really to just start with Bitcoin, and Ethereum first. Understand these two platform, and then you slowly go down from there. So after you have a good understanding, you understand what you are investing in, then you are less likely to be shaken out because this space is indeed very volatile. So if you don't really have a strong understanding, you will be shaken out because you actually don't know what you are investing and buying. Then obviously when it drops, then you are more inclined to sell, right? So I think that's just like the yeah the, the, the thing about crypto that there's immense volatility. So you just need to have this in mind. But if you do your research, you believe there is a future, yeah, and then you can invest in it. I, and I would say for most people, it's better that if they come in with an asset allocation model. So there's a lot of like a correlation study has been done. In fact, they have shown that if you invest in Bitcoin, it actually helps to uh, improve the portfolio return from a risk-adjusted perspective because it's usually not correlated with other asset class over the longer over like a long-term period. And so when stock market going down, crypto, uh, Bitcoin and crypto might be going up and then obviously vice versa, it can happen. So I think... The recommended portfolio allocation for most people, un- unless they have a super strong understanding and they want to spend a lot of time, is usually between five to ten percent. Mm. Yeah, mm. of their entire investment portfolio. Okay. Yeah, so I would say that is a healthier way of investing into crypto for most people if mm. they do not want to spend too much time. Okay. Not yeah. not like everything in Xiao Xiao like that, lah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely <laughs> not. Yeah, yeah. For oh. I think yeah, it definitely makes more sense from a portfolio allocation point. Of view. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I have one last question. I think very important. Recently, yeah. I've talked to a lot of friends and one of this idea came out of uh, the whole idea of tokenization where companies or institutions they take traditional assets and they kind of back it up with a token yep. like they back the token up with the traditional assets yep. right? and maybe it's art paintings maybe it's like farmland property yep. whatever yep. Right? What, what are your thoughts on, on this? Uh, I think it's very case specific um, I think that uh so I, do, I, do you even see this as a crypto investment? I think no, I don't think so. so because these are is this are like using crypto as a technology to 
to to change the representation. I, I don't see this as a crypto investment because they are ultimately tied to the real world asset, right? You're mm. actually investing in the real world asset just mm. through the blockchain technology. Okay, okay. So yeah. you, you don't see that as a crypto use yes. case. You just see that as a technology to kind of yes. split up and tokenize yes, the asset. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. Okay, so nothing to do with the crypto space in your uh, view. Yeah, I that, I don't think it's that close. Uh. There's there's a lot of experimentation in that, but I think that's another topic. Uh, I, I think that it's valid use case of the technology, but how successful it will be, uh, I think it's a bit too early to say. Okay, yep. thank you. Yeah. Um, is there any last words you want to share? Yes, uh, I think actually on the investing part, I do want to add a little bit like for those investors who prefer to be active and more hands-on, uh, which is actually I'm, I'm the kind of person. And I think that actually crypto is probably the best place you can invest in for, for a few reasons because... Uh, Crypto is in a level that uh, is still pretty young and immature. So actually, if you are some guy who is very active, like to make your voice heard, you actually can make a change to this space. You can actually influence uh, the direction uh, of the certain, let's say, project that you invest in. And this is actually not very possible in like, a traditional finance. Like I invested in the Singapore stock market before, like from small cap, mid cap to large cap. And I can tell you that uh, that's my opinion. Uh, the Singapore stock market is just not very conducive to minority investors most of the time. Like... Uh, that's, that's small and mid cap right like they don't really care about the minority shareholder interest you can write an email to the investor relation but I don't think you can make any changes um, but I think in crypto it's very different like for all of the younger stage protocol if you're a very active member in the community uh, you you can actually a lot of your opinion and voice will be heard and you can actually participate in improving the protocol or the project that you invest in as well so I think this is something that uh, big changes and I would say that uh, although that the right are not like legally stipulated for a lot of crypto investment, ironically, I think as a token holder, I actually get more right than as a shareholder in some of the small cap or mid cap company in like a local stock market. Yeah, so for a very like, more open minded and investor who prefer to be hands on active, I really suggest you guys to to explore crypto as an investment because I think it's very rewarding and exciting to be in. Yep. Okay, thanks for coming on the show. You shared a lot of good stuff. I hope you guys learned something. We'll see you around. Yeah, take yep. care. Thank, Thank you. you. Hey, I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated, and discussed. Join our community telegram group, follow us on our social, sign up for our weekly newsletter. Everything is in the description below. And if you love us, will help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. Also, if you have some interesting thoughts to share or know someone that you want to hear more from, reach out to us through hello at thepotentialcoconut.com. With that, have a great day ahead. Stay tuned next week and always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear and sustainable for all. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Shh. 
So yeah, I hope you guys learned some good stuff today. I think he provided a lot of good juices. And we'll have a few other crypto friends that will be coming on this month. Um, and we'll see we'll see where this brings us. But of course, I'm super happy to extend the kind of conversation in the crypto space. If you love what we are trying to do here and you have a specific interest in you know trying to talk about the crypto uh, market definitely reach out to us and you know we are thinking of spinning off a show for the crypto um, space but uh, let's see how we need to find hosts we need to find guests so if a lot of you guys you know um, are interested and you can drop us an email hello at financialcoconut.com and then we can see how we can collaborate or create together so yeah that's good for today i hope you learned some good stuff this month will be on digital finance so we'll have people from uh, Robo Advices to you know Policy Pal. Okay, I just dropped the name, but yeah, we'll have uh, aggregators and we'll have uh, a little bit more discussion on stable coins and whatnot. So all those things are coming up this month. Uh, stay tuned, share with your friends, and it'll be a great month. I'll see you around. Take care, guys. <laughs>